Welcome back to Up The Villa Podcast. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, drop this video a like and get involved in the comment section down below. So I'm delighted we're joined by former Aston Villa goalkeeping coach legend, Neil Cutler. How's that for an uh, introduction, Neil? Yeah, great. I appreciate that. That's a, uh, that's a big one. Top man. Yeah, that's a good title you've got carrying around with you now. So... <laughs> No doubt we're going to touch on Martinez massively, but the, the one thing I really want to know and find out a bit about is what's the day-to-day role that you, you had at Villa as, as a goalkeeping coach? So what, what does it sort of entail? Because I think whenever I see Villa training ground pictures, you always see like all the lads kicking a ball about, but you never really see anything of Martinez. And, you know, what, what's it like? Um, differs really. It depends. Um, we could go into like a lot of detail here. If we've got a few hours, we could go into all kinds of detail. But we got all night. <laughs> the start of the week, obviously, we'll be working hard on putting right what we've done wrong the game before. So it'll be a lot of detail on how we get better, how we improve both as a team and as an individual. Um, and lots of conversation, really. Lots of conversation, getting Emmy's thoughts because. You know, it's it's important that when you finish a game, you get a lot of information from Emmy and from the goalies on what they how they felt in the game because you can see the game, you can watch the game, but you've got to get the best understanding of what how he actually feels during the game because it might be completely different to what you see. So it's getting at like a real emotional, psychological view of you know his mindset, how he how he felt the the preparation went, how he felt the game went. And then his take on, because normally Emmy is possibly his own worst critic. So if he if we've lost the game, he'll be like, he'll be bouncing off the walls. He'll be like, I've got to get better. I've got to improve. You know, I've got, I need to do this and need to do that. So it might be a case of calming him down and giving him a structured, detailed way of what we're going to do to improve and what we're going to do to make sure that if he's conceded a goal, we best prepare for that so it doesn't happen again. So that'll be... If it's gone well, it might be that I'm bringing him down a little bit. You know, he'll be like, you know, because he's brilliant. He's brilliant, but he got to know how to take him. So he'll be the first one to say, oh, what a save that is. You know, like, and it's like, <laughs> you know, but, but as, a goalie, as a goalkeeping coach and as, as a club, you want that. You want him to be that. He's usually confident. right as well, isn't he? Exactly right, yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> so, so Neil, would this, would, this, would this just be you and Emily or would this involve Jed and Robin? Is it like a, a group effort, these... Yeah. Depends really. I changed it. Analyst. Yeah, I tended to change it. So it'd be me and the analyst and Emmy. But sometimes I'd get all the other goalies in, you know, and, and get their perspective, get their ideas, get their thoughts. When we had the likes of Tom Heaton and people like that, when we had a more senior group, I felt it was really important to get his point of view and his ideas and his thoughts because of his experience. And not only that, his personality is that good. And, you know, he's that kind of person that everybody else just respects his opinion anyway. You know, it wouldn't feel like he's attacking you in any way. So I always had lots of discussion with with the goalies around that time where we, we could with everything would be talking, you know, the details of goalkeeping. It'd be, some of the discussions we had were, were, were unbelievable, you know, the details that we went into were fantastic. Um, but yeah, in, in in terms of Emmy and Emmy's debriefs, a lot of it was just just me, him, and the analyst, so I could get you know a lot of detail out of him. I could really coax, you know, how exactly he was feeling and, and exactly what his views were. Um, 
So, yeah, win, lose or draw, make sure we have a debriefing. But that would be mainly on a Monday or it depends how quickly the games are coming around. Might be a Sunday. Um, and then Tuesday, really, we're, we're building into a lot of a lot of detail. Um, Tuesday being more, if we only had a game on a Saturday, so it's Saturday, Saturday, it'd be more, you know, of a power, speed, power, agility. I'd get really high-loading day into him where we'd maximise, you know, he's... he's what is his day his loading day so we tend to make sure he does his pilates he's got pilates teacher that comes into the club um and he does actually goes away from the club and uses claire the pilates teacher you know away from the club as well because she's she's fantastic she does it as a group and she'll do it individually so that was a massive boost for us you know when i came in i felt we needed that strength you know and that um i wanted my goal is to be really powerful and I just I didn't want him to be stiff. You know, I wanted to be athletic, so I think the yoga Pilates teacher was a, was a big part of that. I wanted to be like subtle. Um, so, you know, I just I wanted them I wanted them to to maximise the time. I wanted to make sure they were covering all bases, and, and she was a big part of that. Um, so yeah, Pilates. Make sure we get that done, and then get the gym stuff done in the morning then into the into the speed power agility stuff on the tuesday like i say maximizing loading making sure because once we've got that tuesday over and done with them we've got wednesday off then thursday and friday are very tactical sessions so the speed power agility sessions start the week and then the end of the week will be very technical tactical uh, as i've uh, got a question as a specialist um coach which goalkeeping coaches are because it's a specialist position isn't it do yeah. you get free <laughs> Not all free reign, but do you get to sort of plan these things yourself? And do you have to obviously liaise with the management, the other, you know, the manager and their coaches and say, this is what I want to do this week? So do you get a little bit more free reign to do that kind of stuff? Or do you have to do it within like, what the manager sort of sets out each week? I think it's a bit of both, really. I think yes, it's trying to work around the manager wants and needs. But if it means we have to go out a little bit earlier to ensure that we get the detail done, then that's what we used to do a lot. You know, it's trying to. It's tough to go into a manager and say, "Look, we're not coming into your meeting today because we've got a lot yeah. of other stuff to do." <laughs> You'd be like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. Like you just can't do that. So you've got to be able to have the right kind of uh, personality and to be able to have the right relationship with the manager enough to go, "Well, I think this might be, you know, what we need a little bit more. You know, this might be more important." Um, so yeah, so it's feeding off each other, kind of thing. Feeding yeah. off, yeah, feeding off each yeah. other, and it's making sure because. You need to make sure going into game, you've ticked every box. You've, you, you're technically, tactically, psychologically, you're right for the game, and no stones unturned. You're like you, you know exactly what the opposition are doing. You've covered all the bases from the previous game. You've put that right in his head. He knows exactly, you know that we've 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 affected it. We've changed it. We've made it better. And this is what your Man Uniteds, your Everton's, your Leicester's are going to do in the next game. You know they're they're going to do this. They're going to attack this way. This is where they're most prolific. This is what the best goal scorer does. This is what how he scores goals. And if he does that one-on-one, -on -one, what are we going to do? So it's just making sure that we've covered all boxes and we've got no stone unturned in preparation for the next game. And like I say, if because if, a lot of managers have, especially leading up to the game, they'll have quite detailed meetings. So it'll be, you know, like it could be, we'll have, on a Thursday, we'll have normally, would have, did have, a threats meeting. You know, on the opposition, a goalkeeper-specific threats meeting. So we'll go through everything that we feel is a threat from the opposition 
in uh, in a meeting room with all the goalkeepers. So that will be covered, you know, exactly what the opposition do. And that will be a debate as well. So that will be a goalkeeper's debate. So it's like, this is how we want you to play out. This is how the gaffer expects us to play out from the back. That's how they're going to press us. And this is how we're going to expect to find a way out of that press. And then it'll be, like I just said, it'll be the opposition threats in terms of how they score goals, you know, what they're most, what's their best threats, what's their biggest threat. Um, so we've got all that covered. We go over the team, each individual, you know, what we think of them and how they, we feel they're going to be a threat to us. Um, and then it's a conversation. It's a conversation between the group. You know, I'll ask their views, their ideas, their thoughts, and then we'll have a discussion about that. Um, so, yeah, Thursday, Friday, we quite a lot of classroom-based stuff. You know, like go from my meeting to the gaffers meeting, might be a set piece meeting with Austin and then onto the pitch. So then it's trying to get the right, you know, levels in terms of how much we do on the pitch and how much we do classroom based, which is, you know, which is more important. Um, but as long as you've got a lot of that, your, your, your higher bulk of what you need to do at the start of the week, you know, what the, the speed, the agility, the power, but with detail, you're not just flogging them, you're getting the detail right. As long as you've got that bulk done, then you can kind of ease down into ready for the game. Um, but Emmy's the kind of person that just wants to work. And because he's so late in the game, because he's only just like third season playing regularly, everything is new to him still. So it's like, you know, like I want to train, I want to work, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's like calming down, right? <laughs> can't, can't do everything, you know, you can't stay out there all day. No, I want to go out early, I need to do this. No, Emmy, calm, we need to do this, this is more important. <laughs> So it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it is new to him and he's, because he's loving it and he loves every second of playing a game that he just wants to, he just wants to train, he just wants to play, he just wants to be out there, he just loves every second. So it's just a matter of guiding him in the right direction. So did these, did these type of conversations carry on like after the working day? You know, would he, would he call you up on the night or anything like that? Because he seems yeah, think, so driven and you seem so passionate as well, Neil. Yeah, um, and I think that's just you have to gain relationships so i know everything about him he, like um, i'll go around his house i know his wife i know his kids i know his parents i think it's so important to get the best out of a top flight goal you've got to know every last little thing about them how they tick how they sleep what they do when they recover what they do on their days off just to know the personality and how to make them tick and know how to bring them down and know how to lift them up but not only that i think to get the best out of the goalkeepers, they have to feel like they trust you and they've got I, they've got to feel like you're with them all the time, like you've got them. Because the, the position is such a solitary position. It's so lonely yeah. and it's so a sport within a sport. If they feel like you've got their back and you're with them on, on, on everything they do, on the progressions and the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, you know, I'm there to help him no matter what. And that's something I didn't have as a goalkeeper. That's something I, you know, I, I've learned growing like it, it maximizes um the ability to to progress and to learn when you when you've got that feeling like you're with them you've got them do you know what i mean it's like you know it doesn't matter you make a mistake doesn't matter i've got you we'll make it better we'll make it work i never had that i i was i was a decent goalie but psychologically i, I felt like i needed help a little bit to get over mistakes to get over you know, like I was technically really good, but never expressed myself because I was a little bit afraid to do that. Whereas you've got to create an environment where goalkeepers come into your space and just go, sod that, I'm just going to express myself and I'm just going to play. You know, I'm going to play like I've got no fear. 
you can take that fear away from them, then they just fly, you know, like, go, go make mistakes, nobody cares, you're, you're, you're different class, you know, go show people what you can do, take the fear away and watch them grow, and that's the best thing you can possibly create. Well, I mean, you have watched him grow because he came in for his debut at Sheffield United, sort of set the set the tone for the fans, didn't he? That penalty yeah. save and that whole journey through getting, you know, Argentinian cap to then lifting a World Cup trophy, you know, the biggest thing you can win as a player. So how did that make you feel and how do you look back on that time from watching him when you first had that first session with him to... You know how you, how you feel about him now? Um, obviously, I'm super proud. You know, and when we when he first came in and we had the meeting, we sat down. I'm like, "What do you want to achieve? You know, what do you want? What do you want to get from this move? You know, you're not just coming here to tick a box. What are you doing? What what what's your, you know, what's going to make you be the best version of you?" And we decided. And we sat down and we put a list of everything he wanted to achieve in his locker. So when he opened the door, he had that in his locker. Every single day, he looked exactly what he needed to achieve. And in that first season, he smashed every single one of them, like <laughs> every one of them. And that is testament to him. That's, that's not me. I can point him in the right direction, but he's so driven and motivated to perform and achieve that he's like, open his locker, right, I'm doing that. And it's like, right, firstly be regularly in, in the Aston Villa team, you know, go and smash it for Aston Villa, which means you'll get in the Argentinian team. You get in the Argentinian team and you play in the Copa America. Play in the Copa America, you win the Copa America. And then it's like on and on and on and on. So stats, you know, you're passing stats, you're cross-taking stats, you're shot-stopping stats. Smashed every single one of them. You clean sheet stats. We obviously equaled the record in the first year. So tick, done, you know, like, and it's, and it's, you know, He's so motivated. If you give him things, if you give him tasks, he does it. You know, he's like, I'm doing it. But was uh, was become Messi's best friend on that on that target list, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite on there. No, we didn't think he was going to get to them levels, but yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely um, you know become very very close with him. What what they've achieved together over the last three or four years has been immense. How big a hand did you have in him coming to the club? Yeah, pretty big, actually. And, and uh, also, sorry, and also, was there other people in that sort of conversation? There must have been, obviously, other keepers that were under consideration at the time as well. So what sort of made him stand out above all others? Being as that, like you say, up until he came to Villa, he wasn't a regular anyway, was he? Well, the thing was, Aston Villa's grown now. Obviously, it's a massive club and it's got a department of scouts. It's got a department of statisticians. You know, people that look into pure detail of all the best goalies throughout all the leagues. And I just work a little bit different to that. You know, I, I look at a goalie and I see somebody that I think I can make better or I know I can make better. And it might not be top of the list in terms of clean sheets and it might not be top of the list in terms of um, pass percentage. But I'm, I see somebody that's got the biomechanics that I know I can make better. I, I look at somebody and see they've got the drive and the determination and then the emotional side of it to achieve. And, you know, I look at somebody and I go, you know, if I could just get my hands on them, I know I could turn them into something really big. Emmy was exactly that. So Emmy, when I, when I looked at Emmy, I was like, he's, he's South American in terms of he's passionate, he's driven, you know, yeah. wants to achieve. Not only that, he's South American in terms of his speed, his power, his agility. But he's also had like a, a British upbringing in terms of who he's been coached by. 
So it holds a good shape. So he's biomechanically, he moves really well around the goal. You know, he's not just triggering and falling back and, you know, big triggers with his hands and leading with his feet. He actually holds a really good shape. So all that coupled together makes, for me, an outstanding goalie. What he, I just needed to tweak him with detail, you know, loads of detail, loads of detail, hit him with it. And I knew that he was the kind of character that would take all that on board because he just wants to achieve, he just wants to get better. So you could get a goalie and pay 30, 40, 50 million from whoever it is because his stats are unbelievable and blah. But, you know, I then had to go and speak to to Dean Smith, who was manager at the time, and uh, speak to Johan and Christian and those kind of people and say, look, you know, for 18, 19 million, this guy is an absolute snip because I think I can make him a whole lot better. And luckily, they listened to, to my opinion and, and believed in what, what I could do. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that, you know, that they, they understood that I could, I could have, have an effect on Emmy and, and turn him into something pretty special. I help turn him into something pretty special. What a legacy, though. What a legacy you've left with him at the Villa. You know, unbelievable. Yeah, and when we're talking about the World Cup and, you know, when Emmy won the World Cup, it was a little bit bittersweet. You know, it was just a massive relief and quite emotional time for me and the yeah. family. You know, everything that we'd done, four years, three or four years of really hard work and determination and drive. And then you look at it and you go, I'm no longer his coach. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's like... All that is like, I just, I kind of wish I was still there and I could have, you know, like celebrated with him a little bit more. And, you know, like it was, it was pretty difficult, but in the end, it's, it's all him. It's, it's what is, it's, it's what he's achieved. It's what he has done. It's not me. It's, 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 it's him. He's, I think he's, he's I think he's pretty well made it known that, that you, you, you were a very important part of his, uh, of his journey there, Neil. I've got to be honest. And the Villa fans know that as well. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, gaining, we gained a, a close relationship and we've still got a close relationship. Um, but if you see how he goes about his work and what he does to achieve that and what he gives up in order to to be the very, very best, then, you know, like you'd understand that a lot of that was him. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's he, he's given up everything. You know, he come over 14, 15 years of age, probably a little bit younger than that, 13, 14 years of age, couldn't speak the language. And he's had a lot of ups and downs and his desire to act, to achieve is huge. You know, it's massive, you know, like in terms of, like I just said, his nutrition, his work with the sports scientist, the strength and conditioning coach. And this is something else we go into when, when we talk about Villa and we talk about the staff, the bathroom staff that we've got at the club are very, very, very good. People like uh, Paddy Moore, Ollie Stevenson, um, the sports science departments, the strength and conditioning departments, like brilliant like some of the characters the doctor um the matters some the people that don't ever get mentioned you know but they graft they properly craft right some top top people there that there's a bedrock for the player development and the players getting better and we talk about the coaches and they get the glory but the ones underneath it the, the real like real grafters never get a mention but they're top characters and top workers and real hard working and top of their trade you know top of their industry and they they, they never get they never get mentioned and that's part of emmy's development and deserve they deserve to, to have you know a real pat on the back for for helping emmy and his and his development from from really where he came from to where he is now in terms of his speed his power his athleticism 
nutritionists that we've got the football club have helped him in terms of how you know how he prepares how he eats goalkeeping nutrition is is different to outfield nutrition you don't quite yeah. need the same carbs uh, you need to be lighter on on the on the pitch rather than you know you're not going to burn the same kind of uh, carbs in before games and during games so you need to be very careful what you're eating nutrition is, nutrition is very important um, club master goes around to his house um, make sure he's right for games you know the detail if he gets the master to his house and make sure he's preparing properly so loads and loads of little you know little details go into the the, the development of, of a very good very good goalkeeper cool so going back then um you know again you've been on a you was on a massive journey with aston villa because you know when when you joined villa with dino um you know we were sort of mid championship and to get promoted in the first part of of the journey was just amazing so so what yeah. was it like in that season sort of the playoffs the final and and everything, you know, that same game winning one that we went on as well was, you know, massive. Yeah, it was quite difficult, actually, because I was at West Brom at the time. And West Brom took me from Warsaw. I was at Warsaw and everything, like, all I ever wanted to do was reach the Premier League. You know, I was like, I felt like I was doing a really good job at Warsaw. I was producing these goalies. They were going on and I was getting left. Rich O'Donnell went to the Championship. Neil Edridge went to the Premier League. And I was just staying still. Dean Smith went to Brentford and I stayed at Warsaw. And I'm like, where am I going to get my chance to move up? I'm absolutely grafting did he, it. Like, did he try and take you to Brentford with him? Sorry, Neil. No, I think at the time they already had a staff in, in place. Okay. And it was just him and Richard Kelly. And then it was like yeah. me and John left to really look after Warsaw and, and try and take that place forward. Um, and then Ben Foster um, and Boas Myhill at the time made sure that I moved to West Brom, you know, helped me get that move to the Premier League. And I was like, hang on a second, Nick. One minute I'm at Forest Green Rovers, the sec- next minute I'm at Everton away, you know, in the Premier League. And it was like, oh my God, like, yeah. this is this is unbelievable. This is everything I've ever wanted. And, you know, I like, it was like, oh, like, ev- like it was amazing, an amazing step for me. And um, it, it, when Villa come knocking, I, I would, I'm never turning that down, you know, the size of the club. And, and what they want to achieve and what they were hoping to achieve, the owners. And I spoke with Christian Perzel on the phone for a good couple of hours and, you know, and, and had a really good chat with him. And he kind of got to understand how I work a little bit more and what I do and how I do it. Um, and we had a really interesting conversation, actually. And, and from that conversation and, and me speaking to Dean, I was, I was never, ever going to never, ever going to do anything but, but come across. Um and then luckily, more or less as soon as I moved, we, we we went off to a bit of a flying start. You know, we got some really good wins under our belt and got a bit of momentum. But it's always it was always difficult. It was difficult because the team we had wasn't really set up to be top end. You know, we struggled a little bit with players. Um, but as the season went on, we managed to gain momentum. And once you get that momentum and you get the fans yeah. behind you like we've got, then you've got every chance. Yeah, um, in the January, uh, obviously Steer come back from loan, didn't they? Yeah, because um, we were bouncing in between Nyland and Mark Bun, but but making Steer number one for that second part of the season is one of one of the best moves. And how get the promotion? You know, he's saved against Sheffield Wednesday, the penalty, uh, the two legs against West Brom. Yeah. How good was Jed to work with? Yeah, I mean, before that, obviously, uh, I think. I think Mark Bourne was coming to the end when I came in. He was 
we, we kind of he's he was kind of yeah coming to he never played when I was there. He was struggling with his hips a little bit and really coming to the end of his career. But we had Oren, Oyan was for me a top top goalie, you know. <laughs> and it's like yeah. it, it's difficult, but his his left foot, his right foot, he's athletic, he's quick, you know. He's like, and when I first came in, we managed to get some consistency out of him. You know, like he started to play really well. I think, didn't he snap his Achilles at the time? I think that's when he got injured. Yeah. But we were getting some real consistency out of Boyan. And then he got injured. And then obviously, then he kind of he dipped and he moved away. I know he didn't have the greatest start before I was there. But we managed to get some kind of consistency out of Boyan. And he has got every attribute. You know, he's got, he's got some really good attributes about him. Um, but yeah, I think, Oyan got injured and then uh, Jed came in and, and was instrumental. You know, the, the thing about Jed is that he's so consistent in what he does. He was not, he's not an Emmy Martinez. He's not going to do something unbelievable. He's going to be a 7 out of 10 every single week. You know? And if you're a team that wants to get promoted out of the championship, he's the guy. He is yeah. the guy because you see him in training every day. You know, he's just 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10. He goes into a game. Seven out of ten, you know exactly what you're going to get. He ain't going to mess up. You know he's going to be shape and his style are very, very good. He's very calm, and he's good around the group. You know the lads like him, and I think because the lads, if the lads like a goalie, I think they try even more to help you keep the ball at the back of the net. Do you know what yeah, I mean? They'll, yeah. they'll bite the line, they put the head in the way. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just a little <laughs> thing with Jack because he's a good character. He's a great kid. And I think that the way they defended in front of him and the way that Jed was playing was, was fantastic. And like I say, his um, his heroics with penalties were, and that was a, a bit of a strange time for me as well, coming against West Brom and, uh, and the opposite dugout, Jimmy Shan, who I got to know very well in my time at West Brom. So it was a bit of a, he's only spoken to me a couple of times since. He's not, he's not my friend. He's all right, bless him. It was that penalty shoot out that did it, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, and Jed is another one through with injuries. Like, I really feel for him because he is so devoted and dedicated to his job and his industry and his position. You just wouldn't wish anything like that upon him, you know. He just needed that little bit of luck, but just every time he got a chance, got injured, and just I just really feel for him because his desire to play and his desire to win and, and to, you know, progress was was first class. I think um, one of the things that's gone down in Villa history was the Jed Steer stare, um, which apparently was staring to you, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We were told. I, think, I can't remember who was taking the first penalty. Holt for us. Holgate. So Holgate. Holgate that's I, who he was walking we, along with, yeah. The issue we got, right, at the time, and I've been slated for saying this, right, but... <laughs> what you want to we do, did. Neil, you can retract it now if you want. <laughs> can you cut it out? It was all a mistake and we'll go back to the staring out. <laughs> but the problem we had, right, all, all West Brom's penalty takers went off the pitch, you know, like Chris Brown ah, right. went off the pitch. So we only had a few left. Like we went through them all. We were like, we only had a few left that we had. We, we had that you'd done your research. Yeah, yeah, we did all that research, but you know there wasn't hardly any penalties. Like Holgate hadn't taken many penalties, and like a few more hadn't taken many penalties. So Jed's looking at me because we didn't have him down to take a penalty, so he didn't know which direction he was going. <laughs> and normally the goalies look at me for every penalty anyway because yeah. I've got it down. I know exactly which 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 way we said he was going to go. So. Basically, and if I'm 100% honest, 
I guessed which way he was going to go. So when Jed looked at me, I had no idea. So I guessed which way. And being a centre-half normally, or a defender, they normally open up. Yeah. So it was, it was a calculated, foot, yeah. it was a calculated risky, risky guess, but it, it, it worked. And I'm not taking credit for it, by the way. I'm not doing that. Jed saved it. Jed was the one. And when I'm, tell, when I'm, when I'm saying which direction, they don't have to go that direction. You know? I'm just yeah. saying... We think he might. I think he might go that way. Jed might have chosen the other way. You know, it's just one of them. But I think doesn't that show that the like you're saying that relationship you have with the keepers. Trust. He's looking at you, thinking, "Oh, right, we haven't done any research. I need. I'm looking at my coach now, thinking, what are we doing here, boss?' And it, yeah, just just that confidence you must have exuded in him, saying, "Right, go that way." You know, that straight away that gave him that confidence in a confidence. Okay, I can do this. But so, it is you know, he, it's, it's small margins, isn't it? Exactly right. They've got to trust yeah. you, right? And you gain yeah. the relationships because they know you're doing everything you can to help them, to make them better, to improve them, to, to help them win games and to help them progress their careers no matter what it takes. So I think once you gain that relationship and you gain that trust, then, you know, you've got that closeness and that real close-knit and that's the kind of environment you want to create. And especially when, you, like I said before, you've got young goalies coming in and through in that environment – they need to feel so relaxed and so at home that they can just go and express themselves. Back in the day when I played, it was more like, how can I make this goalie make him, make him feel as bad as he possibly can? You know, keep him in his shell as much as possibly can. Uh, it's just that's just the way football was back in the day. You know, the be you just be like, all right, you're a young kid, go and stand over there and go and like go and play with them over there, and it was totally different. Whereas now it's like, you know, come into our environment, go and express yourself, and show you, show us how good you are. You know, go and play with the first team. We've got like, we have like 16, we have 16, 17 year olds, 15 year olds coming to train with people like Philip Coutinho and these unbelievable athletes and players. And it's like, and you can see when they first come up, they're a little bit nervous. But once you fill them with that confidence and that, well, I don't care, go and make a mistake. Nobody cares. You know, like as part of your development, go and show them what you can do. Go and be a leader. Go and go and play with them like you deserve to be there, not like yeah. you're. Coming belief, from isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Belief and you fill them with that confidence and you watch them grow and it's it's amazing to see. So, so we win that penalty shootout, Neil, and then 50,000 of us on screen, we all went to Wembley, descended on Wembley. Tell us about that coach riding because the what? footage from... Was it you that filmed it on the coach? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Tell, us, tell us about that because that looked absolutely superb. Well, before that, I remember me and one of the other coaches walked we walked out of the hotel and we walked around and through the fans you know to put that hood up and we wanted to feel the atmosphere and it was just like amazing and i'm like wow so i filmed it because i knew what the atmosphere was going to be like so it's just one of the, honestly one of the best feelings of my life we had the music blaring on the coach and you know when after we beat west brom we were like and, and dean says it quite a lot that we knew we were going to win we just we just knew we knew we were going to win you know we had that real togetherness we had that momentum we had the fans who were, were unbelievable like and going through the fans on the way into Wembley was one of the best feelings I think about in my life it was like unbelievable and like I said we we just knew we just knew after after beating West Brom we knew we were going to get promoted and that day was like an unbelievable day like one of the best good, well, good celebrations after yeah I think it is uh, a good <laughs> Most of it's online, in it. <laughs> we had on and we, yeah, free bar, so we, we smashed it, to be fair. We did it, we did it properly. Um, yeah, like, like I said before, my, 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 
my dream is to be in the Premier League, is, is to coach in the Premier League and to get there with Aston Villa was, was a, a, an unbelievable feeling. What, so what was it like in the Premier League then, you know, like, you know, coming up against strikers like Kane, Salah, like, how, how do you even prepare to come up against players like that? I think it's knowing, it's knowing it's building blocks when you come into the Premier League, you know, you're not just going to go in there and smash it and, and win every game. It's a matter of expectation. It's a matter of, it is detail. It's making sure that you're doing everything to the highest detail. Because if you don't, they're gonna they're gonna catch you out. You know, if you, if you leave a stone, if you, if you if you haven't planned for something, you're gonna kick yourself because it's gonna catch you out. It's that league, you know, like you've only got to slip a little bit, and it's ruthless and it's relentless, and you've got to make sure that everything is detailed. You're doing everything right, and I'm the type of character. That, won't sleep unless I've done something right. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'd be 100% gutted if I knew I hadn't prepared properly for something or prepared Emmy or when a goal is right properly and 100% properly for the game that's going to that's gonna be ahead. And if you don't, like I said, it's that ruthless, it's that relentless that you're going to get caught out and you'll lose a game because of it, because it's such an important position. How... Um... A couple of things on the coaching side when he went up, especially is how obviously keepers now have got to be really good on the feet. So that's changed a lot from. I mean, I go back quite a long way to when keepers could just pick the ball up all the time, but nowadays they've got to be phenomenal with the feet. So that changed your coaching aspect of it. And then yeah. going into the Premier League, VAR, you know, how has that affected? Does that and did that affect your day to day? You know, you're not about sitting in in the in the sort of uh, classrooms doing stuff like that. Did the VAR issue? give you any like, sleepless nights before or after game? Um, Obviously, the recent the recent one we've just had with Arsenal, I know you commented yeah. on a tweet, I'll put it actually, about that one when he, he was sort of miscited and it wasn't given. Yeah. So, is it frustrating I mean, some as of the well? Decisions, <laughs> some of the decisions that, that, that they are making and they continue to make are baffling for me. They are baffling. And but I kind of found, I, I kind of found VAR a little bit easier to take because I'd be sitting there with a couple of TVs in front of me, that I, monitors in front of me, and I'd be looking back, like, say if we conceded a goal that was offside, you look back and go, that's like two yards offside. You know, like, how have they not seen that? And that would be enraged me for the rest of the game. But at least VA yeah. see that. Most of the time, they'll get the decisions right. Whereas so many occasions, I'd be like, oh, I'll be on to the fourth official, spend half my time, like, raging at the fourth <laughs> official. What the hell? How have you not seen that? It's like, do you know what I mean? And that kind of takes that kind of emotion away. It's like, okay, fair enough. That's, yeah, that's offside. It is offside. That's the rules. That's how it is. Fair enough. Yeah. Rather than it being, oh, my God, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like some, some of the decisions, and, and they're human, so they're going to make errors. But as, as it goes on, it goes on. What I can't what I can't understand is that they've got these computers, they've got these monitors, and they're still getting things wrong. That's yeah. what I can't take. Like that's impossible to get was, wrong. Um, that first season we were in the Premier League was it Palace away? Was it did Lansbury score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was a bad. Yeah, yeah. That, I felt like that season we we had quite an unlucky time with it at the start, didn't we? I yeah. felt like. Exactly right. Yeah, that was the last last minute of the game as well, wasn't it? If I can remember yeah. right. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Friend, never forgiven. Yeah, exactly right. These are the things you know, and, and it and it is frustrating. Um, 
But I've always thought, you know, we've got all the best players in the world and we've got, you know, the best stadiums and this, that and the other. Why haven't we got the best referees in the world? You know, yeah. Fly somebody over. If you've got an unbelievable referee from Italy, pay yeah. him a fortune and sit him in our Premier League where, you know, if he's the very best, then make him the very best in, in our Premier League because it's the very best league in the world. So get the, the best refs over. Transfer window for, for refs. Yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> you've, hit, you've hit on something there, Neil. We've, yeah. we've come up with a good idea there. Yeah. Hey, just just to revert back, Neil. You know, um, you said you were sitting in front of the monitors. What what was your role on a match day with when when you was with Dino? Because I know you you used to work on the set pieces as well. But didn't yeah. you used to sit up in the stands as well in front of the monitors and and have a view from from there? That was more with Steve. With Dino, was more more hands-on really um, because there was less staff and obviously me knowing Dean as closely as I do you know he would bounce things off me now and again um, set pieces were a big thing obviously at the time um, so yeah he, I was there to help him and, and support him as much as I possibly could when Steve came in it was slightly different because he brought a lot of staff with him so I kind of moved away because I can see so much more from up in the stands and it's less emotional. Like I just said, I get emotional, you know, I feel yeah. everything because of my desire to win. I'm like, I'm arguing with the opposition bench. I'm arguing with the fourth official. I'm like a fan. I'm like, you know, like it's like intense for me. Whereas if I'm upstairs and I'm watching it on the monitor and I can rewind things and I can write things down for Emmy and I can see his position better and I can, at half time, I can go in with a clearer mind. So when he's asking about how he's done, you know, what do you think? What, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I can go, right, what do you think about this, 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 and this? And I can even show him a couple of clips on an iPad and say, look at this, look at your position, you know, think about this or think about that. And it's so much better because it's less emotional and I can say it nice and calm rather than me pacing up and down because I'm raging at the fourth official for a crap decision. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's so much better. And, I, and when I go back into it, I'll be... I'll probably ask to sit in the stand again, you know, because you get so much more from that and it's not so intense. So before we finish off then, what 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 is next for Neil Cutler? <laughs> it's a difficult one, you know. It's really difficult because I kind of, for the last four years at Villa, I kind of I gave it everything and produced a philosophy that was really working you know we've got young goalies all internationals all coming through the system the philosophy is working coach uh, education the coaches we've got in the system Mark Naylor and uh, Michael Pierce and, and people underneath him these young coaches coming through all working from the same philosophy and everything the way Emmy's been playing and the way you know win the World Cup and it was just like I gave everything and it, and it worked and then all of a sudden it gets cut off and you're a bit like do you know like it's a bit like yeah it's root it's ruthless isn't it now it's ruthless I mean, understand, but i understand it it's football that's the way it is yeah. you know new staff come in new ideas new thoughts completely understand it but it doesn't take away the emotional side you know you need a, i think you personally need a little bit of time to sit back take stop yeah because it, it does knock the stuffing out of you you know like and, and it <laughs> People won't realise how much it does actually affect you. And, and, and even with managers, I'm sure it'd be exactly the same. You know, you go from all this like intense passion and drive to win and, and all of a sudden it's not there. And it's like, and you know, like the relationship I had with the staff, with Emmy, with the fans, this, this particular football club, I've got a real like tight feeling for, you know, like 
it's it's a club that means a lot to me. And, and when all of a sudden you go from being involved in it and around it to not being anywhere near it, you're like, oh, this is going to take a bit of time. Yeah, <laughs> and it does. Yeah. You don't just get over it. It's like, right, I need to sit back now. I need to recharge. I need to rethink. I need to restart. Some time out. Time. This is the big thing, you know. And what you don't realize, it takes over your whole world. You don't see the kids very often. You don't see the missus. You don't, you don't have really any kind of life. It's like you can't just go away when you like and take the wife away and, and <laughs> go on a nice weekend. It just doesn't happen. So it's just a chance, yeah, for me to be human again a little bit, you know, and have that human side again and and um yeah think about the next step um i'm going to bring a podcast out i'm going to bring like a a coaching specific podcast i've had a lot of people say you know what does my son do here or you know what can he have you got any tips or so i'm going to bring great coaching yeah i'm going to bring a youtube channel out which caters for all you know, from professional all the way down to to, to young goalies, and Ben Foster's going actually going to help produce that for me. So I'm going to link in with Ben and, and produce something quite good. I think we've got a real good feel for it, and then kind of interlink that with a bit of a podcast. So you know, get get the likes of Emmy on and and, and Ben on and, and people that have been in the game um, to discuss the, the details of coaching. And I think I'm, it would interest me, and it's something I'm looking forward to. You know, without taking away my my time to to get ready for the next whatever that may be that whatever club that may be um have you had any offers to go back in no nothing no. i think it's difficult now i think it's difficult yeah. because as we've seen with um managers tend to have like like you said managers tend to have their own set of like staff don't they they take around with them don't they and especially foreign staff like foreign managers will have foreign staff they'll bring in yeah. all the room which they would because they have to have trusted people around them, you know, and it's really important. Um, but you find that more and more and more, it's 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 difficult to then get in. But you know, what, what level he will be, you know, it's whatever's for me will, will happen. So it's just a matter of staying calm and staying focused and going to watch games, going to watch other clubs train and seeing how they do things and keep learning and keep progressing that way uh, without taken away from the fact that I do need to rest and I do need to, you know, get that time with, with the family. Cool. Well, we'll leave it there then. Um, I just want to say thanks, to be fair, because ever since I've been a Villa fan for 33 years, I was too young to remember us winning the League Cup, etc. So I've never really seen Villa win anything. So my best spell as a football fan has been going through the journey that you've been on at Villa. So... Yeah. You know, and I think whatever Villa achieve in the next three, four, five years' time, it's all down to the foundation that you, Dino, and, and everybody at that time put in. So I want to say thanks for that and uh, thanks for coming on our channel because it's um, been brilliant. No problem at all. No problem at all. I think that was the most, just quickly, I think that was the most important thing. You know, when Dean came in, he was so good at getting that closeness with the staff, the players and the fans. I think that was a unique time. He brought he brought us all back together. We could feel everybody could feel the closeness, you know. It was an absolute family, and he's so good at doing that. He's so good at galvanizing and bringing people close together. And I think it was a major a major part in, in why we got promoted. So it was yeah, huge. I, I, fans, that, that post with the fans, the, the way the fans were with him and, and the and the the group of players was was huge. I'm the senior citizen of this podcast, um, and I go back a bit further than these guys and. 
really, I, I echo what Luke says. I think you know we were losing, we'd lose, losing the club. I think the fans felt that we'd lost the club. Um, it yeah. was very dark days, you know, but before Dino and Ulock came in, and you know what you did for us to to re-engage the fan base and and to give us our, our you know to re-engage the passion and the love we had for the club was something I'll never forget. You know, I'll go back quite a long way now and. Um, I just, like Luke said, thank you really for your bit in it. Um, and you are held in very high esteem by the fan base. I've got lots of people that um, I think a lot of you, uh, my, one of my best friends in football, Lisa, she absolutely loves you. Um, so uh, I have you. to mention her now. Kill me if I didn't. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. No, I really appreciate it. It's amazing, you know, like going back to watch games, sitting there and watching it as a fan and not, not a staff member. Uh, you're mad, you're mad. You like games, aren't you? When you go, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I've never had a chance to do it. I've never watched it as a fan, so first chance to go. You know, take take the kids along to, to games and and see what it's like from a fan's perspective, rather than you know being a, being part of the staff and, and not not seeing it and be probably a bit, you know, I don't know, being a little bit away from it. And that it's like seeing it now, being part of it is 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 amazing for me. I've just got one more thing, and I'm going to shut up. Is Emmy going to win Goalkeeper of the Year award tonight? I'm hoping so. He's just texted me a little bit away now. He's, uh, I'm certain I'll send Tony to text me as soon as he finds out. But I hope is he, he does. Any, has he had any inkling? He has had, does he, I, I don't think he has. Either. No, I don't think he has. No. I think it's between him and Courtois, isn't it? And I think, obviously, I think you win the World Cup, you've got a hell of a chance of winning that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Especially the way he did it as well. Exactly right. So I'm, I'm praying he does. For, he deserves it. Definitely yeah. cool. So thanks everyone for watching. Subscribe if you're new. Drop a like and up the villa. Up the villa. Cheers, guys.